You're listening to the Better for America podcast presented by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Hello, everyone. I'm Rebecca Weber, and this is your AMAC podcast, Better for America. Today, we're privileged to have with us once again one of the nation's leading journalists, an author who is persistent in digging out the truth and getting it to the American people. Let me formally introduce our guest today. She is New York Post columnist and a frequent Fox News contributor, has an extraordinary record working across international media, and yet she is a native New Yorker born in Queens who had the remarkable chance to grow up in places like Tokyo and Sydney. She has written on everything from big tech and censorship to Hunter Biden's notorious laptop, a central topic in a book which will be available to you on November 30th. And that book is called Laptop from Hell, which is both compelling and frightening in context of who our president is and how little accountability we are seeing from the laptop to big tech. Please welcome with us today, Randa Devine. And Miranda, what a pleasure to have you with us here again today. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Great to be with you again and and to be with your wonderful audience. Oh, thank you. AMAC members love you, Miranda. And I do want to dive right into um, your most recent triumph of research writing and in many ways a gift to the American people. Your hard-hitting book on the Biden's family's unfortunate dirty secrets, as well as how big tech seems to be aiding and abetting much of what is afoot. And so I'd ask for you to give us a top view or overview of your latest book, Laptop from Hell, and what it means for not only AMAC members, but for America. Help us see sort of the magnitude of the untold story and what is really happening behind the curtain, so to speak. Look, I think probably if we're looking at, uh, you know, the bird's eye view, the lasting impression that I have uh, and that shocked me at the time that we at the New York Post began reporting stories uh, from the laptop, which reflect very poorly on Joe Biden, um, was the fact that big tech immediately closed us down. You know, for for, for news organisations these days, um, Twitter and Facebook particularly are very important to disseminate your uh, your copy because so many people, uh, you know, 60% of Americans use, uh, or people around the world use social media to access their information. So they come to our website at the New York Post via one of these other alternatives. And um, to, to throttle us, as Facebook did immediately, and uh, say, saying in lieu of fact-checking was very dishonest because they still haven't produced any evidence of that they even began a fact check. I know I've asked the people who I interviewed who um, were recipients of emails on Hunter Biden's laptop, people who had worked with him, were intimate with him, uh, if they've ever had a call from Facebook to fact check any of the material that we put online that we wrote about, no. So Facebook pretended it was doing a fact check, but really it was shutting down our story on behalf of the Democratic Party and its candidate, Joe Biden. Similarly with Twitter, Twitter uh, locked the New York Post account. I mean, this is the oldest continually published newspaper in America. It's, I think, the fourth largest newspaper in America. It's a serious media organ. And Twitter just took it on itself 
to lock our account until a couple of days before the election. Two weeks we were locked down. And, you know, that uh, has, has a financial burden as well as just throttling our story, ensuring that it didn't reach the people that it should have, the audience that it should have. And then um, the, the second part of this story is that the media uh, colluded with social media uh, as soon as big tech decided that our story was hacked or uh, somehow beyond the pale. That was good enough for the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, and, and the great and the good in the media firmament. And then a couple of days later, they had a, an even better fig leaf to ignore and traduce our story. And that was uh, these uh, 50 intelligence or former intelligence operatives led by John Brennan, the former disgraced CIA chief, also James Clapper, um, also people like Leon Panetta and Michael Hayden. Um, you know, they should be ashamed of themselves because they wrote a letter claiming that the laptop was Russian disinformation based on their best expert opinion using the great authority of their former officers. They declared without looking at the laptop, without asking anybody who had the laptop if they could have a look at it and judge honestly for themselves if what they were saying was true, they just came right out of the blocks and just airily pronounced that it was Russian disinformation. And that was enough for the rest of the media to therefore say that this story has been debunked, it is not true, it is malicious Russian disinformation, and everybody who peddles it, by extension, is a traitor. You know, that means that Tony Bobulinski, who is, yeah. you know, a, a former naval man, uh, a former, uh, you know, from a family that's given military service for generations on both sides, um, who is a patriot, like you could never see, and is apolitical, he somehow gets smeared in this too because he was confirming so much of our reporting because he was Hunter Biden's former business partner and he knew as well as anyone did what the Bidens were up to and he knew that Joe Biden was in this business up to his neck. And this is the problem we have now. Uh, the American people were never allowed to do the proper due diligence on one of the candidates for office and that is Joe Biden because he has been running this influence peddling scheme um, all his career from Delaware. And then when he became uh, President Obama's vice president, he exported that same uh, very corrupt business model around the world and really compromised America and America's national security with some of our greatest foes uh, being particularly China and Russia. Just unbelievable. And this is the kind of information that Americans really did not no, and I, I'm, I'm imagining all of this is going to be revealed in your book uh, and shared with the American people. I'm very excited uh, to see that that here that that book will be out November 30th. We will be sure to put that up on our website uh, to make sure that our members are aware because uh, that's the kind of information, quite frankly, that people would would have uh, perhaps have made a different choice. Uh, they may not have voted uh, for for the for Joe Biden had they known. Uh, some more of the truth. And, you know, we're seeing this this big tech censorship everywhere we look. I mean, today, for goodness sakes, we see, uh, you know, uh, we've got someone uh, talking about Facebook, a whistleblower saying yeah. they're not doing the right thing. Uh, they're, they're not. Now, I haven't heard all of that, and I'll get to listening to more of that later. But does this really surprise you, Miranda, uh, to hear hear this happening and unfolding, to see what's happening against uh, these 
these social platforms like Facebook? Look, you make such a good point, and it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, why should we be surprised? I mean, we are, uh, because yeah. we've been like frogs in boiling water, I think, with Ooh, social good. media, um, yeah. the way it's um, spread its tentacles into every aspect of our information world. And the way we access information now is controlled by these enormous trillion-dollar companies, uh, which are globally uh, based and have no allegiance to any one country and certainly not to the United States. And that's really quite terrifying. Um, and, you know, it's a glimpse of uh, a future of artificial intelligence as well. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really very hopeful that uh, it seems like there's a bipartisan uh, feeling, um, at least among, uh, you know, there might have differing motivations on the Democrat and the Republican side, but they are unanimous in realizing that these companies, whether it be Facebook and Twitter or Google, which um, manipulate search results so that you know that I know as a journalist, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I will remember a story um, that, you know, I want to refer to for, say, a column I'm writing and I search for it and maybe it was a, a week old and it's not there. I can't see it in, in the first couple of pages of Google search. It's probably there somewhere. Um, and so I, I now know that I go to uh, an alternative search engine. Uh, I use one called DuckDuckGo. I do and, too. Um, that, and that, I mean, it's not as good for some things, mm -hmm. you know, but for, um, for searching for that kind of information, you, 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 the, the stories that might have been buried and you can't find on Google pop up immediately on that search engine. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a terrifying thought because if you can't trust sort of the the reflected reality of the news that's put to you we you know how, how can you trust anything and it makes people more prone to being vulnerable i guess to um, conspiracy theories and charlatans uh, posing as truth tellers um it's it's quite scary you know who do you trust and who who do you trust that has the right information and hasn't themselves been hoodwinked and yeah um, yeah. It's a reason why Dan formed AMAC, truthfully. He saw this coming in, in 2006, 2005, 6. He started to see a real shift, and, and he noticed that there was so much reporting. Uh, the reporting was, was really so, so uh, slanted, so far left, and, and that's going yeah. back 15 years. And so this doesn't happen overnight. It's been happening little by little by little. We've got to pay attention because today... If you're recognizing, for those, you know, our listeners, people who are tuning in, if they recognize that, yeah, you know, I, I recognize the same thing. It's happening. It's happening. We need to recognize it so that we can attack it and do something about it. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a, a tremendous, um, we're living in a time of really no accountability. Uh, people mm -hmm. have little or, or no respect for truth. Uh, and it yeah. seems that we almost have a rogue one party sort of government. Uh, and so, you know, people, I think, like you and me and, and millions of other Americans do respect history and respect our Constitution. Uh, and, you know, as an incisive commentator, uh, I, I want to ask you uh, another question, sort of moving along. Um, you did say that you find it hard to get the truth out. Uh, and uh, do, do you find uh, that people are also trying to cancel you? And, and then a, a second question I wanted to ask you is, do you think, what do you think are some of the very big issues that are really coming at us or coming around the corner in the months ahead? Yeah, well, um, look, I, I think 
the the big issue that you're alluded to at the beginning is this idea of truth and yeah. lack of accountability. And, you know, it used to be that if you told a lie, uh, I mean, this was part of the American psyche. Um, yeah. If you told a lie, that that was a, a terrible dishonour. Um, but now lying is reflexive and it's built in. You know, for instance, we say that there are pregnant people. I mean, this is part of now the AP style book um, that, that, you know, boys can be girls and girls can be boys. I mean, that's a biological lie and it's so farcical on its face. Um, you had Joe Biden the other day tell us that um, his $3.5 trillion uh, so-called, you know, social infrastructure package, which is basically a whole lot of Democrat boondoggles, costs zero dollars. Um, in no universe does $3.5 trillion equal zero dollars. That's dishonest. Uh, that's right. a lie. And it doesn't matter. You know, they have all sorts of sophisticated ways of uh, pretending that that's not a lie, but it's a lie. And um, there are a lot of lies that are coming out of the White House. And I know that um, when Donald Trump was in the White House, that was an attack made on him, uh, it, you know, ironically enough, by people who basically lie for a living. Um, but, mm. you know, the Washington Post, for instance, had you know, I don't know, 60,000 Pinocchios they awarded Donald Trump. But a lot of those were um, Donald Trump's sort of manner of um, speaking that anyone understands who understands anyone from Queens, particularly a, a property developer, everything's bigger and better. Um, it's a sort of self-aggrandizing exaggeration, um, which is not a lie, really. It's not a consequential lie. You know, if you just say your crowd size is bigger than other people say it is, that's exaggerating. Um, and it part, was part of his larger-than-life personality. But, of course, every single thing he said was taken literally, willfully, literally, and uh, turned into something malicious and malevolent. And mm. um, the, the, the converse is with Joe Biden, who really has had um, a lifetime of being untruthful, of telling tall tales which are only fit to kind of make him better than he is uh, and put him as the hero in the centre of some imaginary story. Uh, you know, everything from the corn pop um, saga that he told us endlessly um, to, uh, you know, the fact that he was supposedly at the centre of civil rights marches, uh, you know, <laughs> with, with Martin Luther King or, it, I think, visiting Robben Island and... Um, uh, you know, in South Africa and uh, with Mandela. And um, even the other day, he claimed that he'd been to a Jewish synagogue, the Tree of Life synagogue, where that terrible massacre had happened, um, and he never had. And so uh, I think in his mind, because this happens to people who spend a lifetime fa as fantasists, really, um, they, they lose the ability to discern between truth and fiction. And so... He told terrible lies, which I think um, people uh, woke up to, you know, even the people who had voted for him and thought still that he was a moderate who was going to un unify the country, unite the country. Um, they realised during the Afghanistan debacle that he was lying, that he told George Stephanopoulos on ABC News um, 13 days before the August 31, um, you know, hard, hard deadline for uh, evacuating from Kabul airport, he said, oh, no, we'll, we won't leave anybody behind. We won't leave any Americans behind. Well, of course, that was never going to happen and it didn't happen. Um, and, uh, you know, never took responsibility. Uh, the Pentagon, again, you know, lying about the drone strike. 
strike um, that mm. killed 13 people, including seven children. Um, the lies in this administration about everything. I mean, the border, you look at the lies about the border, that the border is closed. It's not closed. It's secure. No, it's not secure. Uh, we know yeah. that. I mean, there are going to be, uh, you know, upwards of two and a half million people, uh, illegal immigrants arriving in this country, and they get dis just dispersed across the country into unsuspected communities. Uh, up to 20% of them at least um, are carrying COVID and other contagious diseases. We are not allowed to know about those diseases. They're not tested for COVID. They're not forced to have vaccinations like everybody else in the country is. Um, it's it's appalling. And, and then uh, to make matters even worse, the president told a lie about those poor border agents on horseback who were yes. doing their job. They'd been um, allowed for once to go and try and block that hole in the border there on the Rio Grande at Del Rio. Um, because, uh, you know, the, 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 it became an op a matter of, you know, bad optics for the administration sure. that you had 15,000, 18,000 Haitians camped out in unsanitary conditions with not enough food and water and porta potties under that bridge. So they, the border agents were then allowed to do their job for once. They went and did their job competently using horses on that rocky terrain. And uh, some pho photographer takes a photo that is uh, just portrays the wrong impression that they were using whips on these Haitian migrants, which they were not. It was, you know, long reins, I'm sure all your listeners know this. Um, and, and that lie, I mean, I was sitting in Washington, D.C. in the White House press briefing when um, Alexander Mayorkas uh, and Jen Psaki perpetrated that lie, when reporters in that room asked questions on the premise that that lie was true and that what was the administration going to do about punishing these men on horseback. It was outrageous and it, it still is. is outrageous. They subjected to an investigation. Um, the president said, basically, make them pay. Outrageous. Judging them before they've been um, even had an investigation. So that's, I think, the biggest problem we have at the moment to try and restore integrity um, and truth back into public life, whether it be politicians or the media or public servants. Wow, that was so insightful, really, from so many perspectives. And you're right, lie after lie after lie. Uh, another one that gets me is, is going around saying that this is, a, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, really trying to vilify those who maybe for, for, for medical reasons, of course, uh, have decided not at this time to, to yet get vaccinated. Perhaps they have uh, natural immunity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, another lie is I think people are just not trusting uh, our president and certainly the entire administration seems to be following suit. And I often think, who the heck is running this country, boy? <laughs> yeah. And, and it, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I, it I mean, sure I is. Washington last week with the Australian, I was covering the Australian Prime Minister's visit uh, for this AUKUS, you know, nuclear submarine deal and also the Quad deal, which are very, you know, important deals for for the whole world to push back on China uh, and their aggression um, in the Indo-Pacific. But um, during that period, I spoke to various members of various delegations from different countries, uh, from the UK, from Australia mm -hmm. and so on. And um, 
And they said that Joe Biden, in the meetings that they were in with him, which were long meetings over an hour, that he was lucid and coherent and he was in charge of the agenda. Now, that is a very different story from the story I've been told by some of the same people about his behaviour at the G7, where he was seen to be confused, out of it was another quote, um, and almost delirious. So um, I think that, you know, we've talked about Joe Biden having um, cognitive issues. Yes. um, And and that's evident. I mean, you don't really need to be a doctor to see it in the way he uh, relies so heavily on you know, teleprompters, he has done so since, um, I mean, I saw him in the primaries in Iowa and New Hampshire, and he'd be in a tiny room with a, a regular stump speech that any other politician could recite in their, in their sleep, and he had to have the teleprompters dragged in. Um, so you can see that he's uh, sometimes not not all there, but not then there there. are other times when he is. I mean, he's he, he is cognitively sound. So I don't know if the people who are around him uh, can can control when when that happens when he's switched on when he's switched off. Um, I know you know he obviously takes a lot of time to rest up after big events. Uh, yeah. Going home to Delaware a lot. Uh, I mean it's significant. I think more so than other politicians. He'll take long weekends, call an early lunch lit on a Friday, uh, come yeah. back late on a Monday. So. Um, he certainly needs to rest up after these situations. But I don't think we can, the reason I'm saying all this is I don't think that we can take the responsibility away from Joe Biden and blame some, you know, shadowy puppeteers behind the scene. Um, they, of course, are also to blame uh, for for these decisions but uh, that are made that are so wrong for the country. Um, but uh, he ultimately bears the blame and is, I think, cognitive cognitively sound enough to bear the consequences. Uh, Miranda, given the research that you did for the book and what you have learned in reporting on the Biden administration, I want to ask you a tough question uh, or one that is likely to generate an answer that may be tough to hear. Uh, Do you think that the Biden administration's um, dishonesty, um, you know, across his entire administration is, is how I see it, uh, poses a threat to the integrity of our national institutions. Like, do you think the rule of law is at risk, uh, whether by you know non-action against those committing crimes, uh, intentional uh, distraction, where they uh, allow big tech to censor, maybe even an, an attempt to pack the Supreme Court? Do you think that we're in a unique time, uh, one that presents risks to the future that we have never really historically seen? I, I definitely do. Um, I, I do think, though, that the rot set in a long time ago, and hence the election of Donald Trump in the first place. And Donald Trump, um, you know, broke a lot of people, and in doing so, he mm. exposed the sort of slow takeover by the left, if you can call it the left, the elites, this sort of unholy alliance between um, the sort of billionaire class and uh, hardcore socialists. Um, so he exposed a lot of that and, you know, the so-called deep state, whatever you call it. And uh, now Joe Biden's um, victory in the election um, is, was specifically designed, no matter what, to, to put an end to the changes that Donald Trump, uh, the last minute changes to try and rescue the country and the world in, in a way. Um, and so, and, you know, to claw back power. 
And it's very messy because we now see a lot of people have been red pilled. We see what's going on under the, you know, behind the scenes. And um, and we're not like frogs in boiling water, just gradually drifting into socialism. Enough people are aware of what's happening to fight back. But every institution, as you say, I mean, the great lie, I think, of of, of Joe Biden's uh, presidency, which began in his inauguration speech, was that he was, uh, on the one hand, going to unify the country, as he promised to do during his campaign, that he was a moderate. Uh, and at the same time, that he was going to battle the dark forces of white supremacy and domestic terrorism, uh, which it, 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 he, by that he means Trump voters. He means yes. 80, 81 million Americans. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has declared war on them. And he has uh, sicked the military leadership onto rooting out so-called domestic terrorists, which is basically Trump supporters, basically uh, make America great people, patriots, American patriots. Mm. And uh, it's not that Republicans regard Democrats as intrinsically evil, but we have to understand that Democrats regard Republicans as intrinsically evil, at least the ones who support Donald Trump, which is most of them. And so you see... Uh, the, the, the way the DOJ has been weaponized against innocent people. Uh, you've had people who um, were involved in that riot on January 6th and, and did no violence, uh, maybe right. just wandered through, through an open door, uh, maybe didn't even go into the Capitol. And they have been arrested, <clears throat> their lives destroyed, thrown in jail without trial. You know, people still in jail. Uh, there's a, a man called Thomas Caldwell, a veteran, an injured veteran, uh, an elderly man. I think he's in his 60, late 60s, early 70s. Um, he was locked up for 49 days. He didn't even go into the Capitol. Uh, he did nothing wrong. They accused him of all sorts of nefarious things, of leading an insurrection. He did nothing of the sort. He's now about to lose his family farm to pay for legal fees. He's oh. still embroiled in this terrible fight with the government. Um, it's it's really very terrifying. And I think just to end this uh, sort of dystopian view yeah. of the future is to say that I'm told now that, uh, and I, it's a column I'm working on for the future, that um, the, the current stories about uh, people on the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, committing insider trading offences allegedly, <coughs> um, uh, I'm told that that's really a ruse to get rid of uh, the more conservative members uh, and to get rid of Jay Powell, for instance, whatever you think of him, the, the chair, uh, and, and instead stack the Federal Reserve with progressives who will then um, allow or use the financial markets and the financial uh, levers at their disposal to push progressive uh, social um you know, these social changes they want and also climate changes that they want. Um, so, you know, having given up on democracy, because I think they know that at, at the midterms, the Democrats are going to be completely trounced and that a lot of Republican states have now remedied um, those those illiberal changes that were made under cover of COVID last, uh, you know, March, April, May, um, yeah. by clever Democrat lawyers without any pushback from Republicans, big mistake. Um, I think now... They realise that they're going to lose the next, uh, you know, 2022, 2024 elections. And they know that Donald Trump did such a good job with the Supreme Court that that's a difficult thing to get 
to get control of. So they're, they're now trying to get the financial levers. And once you have that, you have everything. Wow. Well, as you did in May, you really are making us all think in ways that really mainstream media never does. And uh, I think that many on the left hope Americans never do. Right. They don't want us to think uh, along these lines. But the risks and the realities, the facts uh, you present in your latest book uh, and the stakes that you outline in as much of your commentary are the sort of thing that I think if our founding fathers were alive, they would be absolutely shocked to see. Uh, we seem to be drifting into a very fast current. We're, we're drifting away from facts. We're drifting away from reality and truth, integrity and government. Um, so I know that we've covered a lot of that already, but I just want to take a moment, if you would, um, help AMAC members and others get a sense of uh, w how persuasive your book, Laptop from Hell, is. We want them to read it. We think that they ought to read it because we ought to know who our president is, and you've done such extensive research. Uh, because for average Am Americans like Marie, like me, right, and, and I do consider myself an average American, the reality is really hard for me to get my mind around. It's hard for me to imagine that we, have, we could have a corrupt president. Uh, it's, it's dispiriting. It's discouraging. Uh, but we can't ignore it. We can't get complacent. And we can't, we can't let it be someone else's problem. Uh, so what would you say about how important... Uh, your latest, these latest revelations are in the book, and then what can average Americans like me and our AMAC members do to stop this kind of total disrespect for truth, law, and accountability? And we do a lot here at AMAC, but we're, we're always we're always looking for new ideas and new ways. Well, thanks for um, for uh, introducing <clears throat> that in that way. I think it's important to. Um, to understand really the extent of Joe Biden's uh, influence peddling operation. I mean, we all have um, a picture of it. I certainly did when I <clears throat> did this forensic deep, deep dive into the laptop, but I was so shocked by the things I found that I would periodically just push away from my desk and right. walk outside and just shake my head and think, did I actually, am I right? Uh, am I reading this right? I would then check with um, people uh, who are not named in the book, but who were great assistants in, um, <clears throat> who were, you know, recipients of emails or involved in documents and so on, uh, and who reassured me and told me more that yes, this is real. Um, that that Hunter Biden and his uncle Jim Biden, who's Joe's brother, um, were uh, involved in these geopolitical, gigantic forces beyond their kin. I mean, they were bumbling around <clears throat> among the oligarchs of Russia, the inner sanctum of Vladimir Putin and President Xi. <clears throat> and that was something that they were doing on behalf of Joe Biden, who was the vice president for much of the period of the laptop and who, who leveraged his power uh, that was deputized to him by President Obama. And President Obama made Joe Biden the representative of the United States mm -hmm. in China, in Russia, in Ukraine, in Romania, all these countries. And, um, you know, countries where we were running around the world preaching about corruption and, and holding America up as the, the model for the world. And I think everyone believed that except that that 
these people knew that Joe Biden was on the take and that his family were there making millions of dollars on behalf of him. So, you know, the book has all the receipts. We know the general the general picture of what was happening, but the detail of how embedded, um, especially in the energy field, and how close to um, to his his uh, Hunter and Jim's involvement in one of the biggest energy deals in the world uh, between Russia and China, and it was only foiled at the very last minute um, by the intervention of uh, Trump, by the election of Donald Trump, and then his single-minded focus via his Attorney General, uh, then Jeff Sessions, in cracking down on um, a lot of this sort of Chinese, um, you know, money and influence uh, swamping the country and corrupting Americans. Um, but, uh, you know, that that part of it is very interesting, you know, for, uh, and, and the way that the intervention of uh, American law enforcement in the Southern District of New York in arresting various of Hunter and Jim's business partners in New York, uh, then led to this domino effect in China where um, various business partners were swooped up and arrested and disappeared. I mean, it's it's uncanny how many of Hunter Biden's business partners wound up in jail or otherwise met a sticky end. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Well, we're recommending that our uh, members and all those listening definitely get your hands on this book. Laptop from Hell will be available to you November 30th. We want to put a link uh, on our website. We want to make sure that people understand who our president is. Uh, There's a lot coming ahead of us and uh, there's a re-election in the future. So we need to, uh, you know, be armed with the knowledge. Miranda Devine, thank you so much for your insights. They're invaluable, your experience. It's really one of a kind and your book will be a great reading. And thank you so much for spending time with us today, really for helping us all really understand uh, what your view is and, and how we can all do our part to sort of preserve America's proud history, our democracy, our liberty. Uh, These are certainly challenging times, and we just want to thank you for taking the time uh, that you gave us here today. We wish you great luck with this book, Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine. Uh, May the truth be well understood by all. And then finally, I just want to thank all of those who are tuning in, especially to our AMAC members. Thank you. If you have not downloaded the AMAC News app, you can watch, you can listen to this show, you can track breaking news wherever you go. Simply download the AMAC News app. Uh, And please make sure to hit that subscribe button, follow, like, and share wherever you are. I am Rebecca Weber. This is your podcast, Better for America. Thank you for being here. And God bless you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Better for America podcast. To learn more about AMAC and all it has to offer, visit us at www.amac.us. The Ben Shapiro Show, weekdays at 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. on AM 970. The answer. Hey, uh, Joe on the radio, 926, Miranda Devine. Everybody's talking about in the most positive ways uh, about Miranda Devine in this great book that we have been waiting for called Laptop from Hell. Miranda, welcome back to the show. Uh, just always awesome to have you with us. And the book is finally here. You mu- Have you gotten any sleep at all? Because I know everybody's reaching out to you, Miranda. You doing okay? 
Thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, like thrill, absolutely thrilled. The book's doing really well. It was number one on Amazon wow. pretty much straight away wow. when it came out. So um, yeah, so hopefully um, a lot of people will get it into their hands and be able to read it. Laptop from Hell. Tell us about it. Tell us what you found about it. We've talked about it. We've touched about it. I I, I don't know. I, and, and can I go right here, Miranda Devine? How yeah. how is the president still the president with all this proof that he has been compromised uh, by foreign countries, Miranda? Well, I think we know it's because he has a protection racket being run for him by the mainstream media, but also particularly by big tech, by social media, Twitter and Facebook and Google. Uh, and we saw that in vivid real time last October, three weeks before the election, when the New York Post published the first of the stories from the laptop, which was pretty damning about yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. And, uh, and immediately Twitter and Facebook censored us. Twitter, in fact, locked down the um, uh, New York Post's Twitter account for three for the next two weeks uh, till about three days before the election. So they were determined that this story would not see the light of day. And we know from polls that were taken after the election that um, if uh, enough Biden voters had known what was going on in the laptop, this uh, influence peddling scheme, these uh, investigations into Hunter and his uncle Jim Biden, that they would have changed, enough of them anyway, would have changed their votes to have um, materially probably made yes. a difference to the election in those battleground states. Yeah, you know, in all your, I, I know how it's, it's tedious and hard work day to day, every second to uncover something like this, Miranda Devine. And I'm wondering, and after the Post does put out the story about uh, Hunter Biden and, and all of social media shuts it down. Do you, I, I'm thinking, just to, just to pivot for a second before we go back to the book, uh, and the name of the book is Laptop from Hell, which is a vital read. It's a vital historic read at this point. Uh, they should, shouldn't they just break up all the monopoly of big tech? Miranda, don't you think it's time to do that for crying out loud? Oh, I mean, well overdue. When you saw that uh, these social media giants, um, which are completely unaccountable, when you saw that they had the power to deplatform the president of the United States, the sitting president yes, of the United yes, States, yes. you knew that they were out of control. I mean, even uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, voiced great disquiet about that. This is, um, you know, a, a really frightening moment in um, democratic nations where you have these unaccountable global oligopolies are in charge of all the information flow. I mean, these are... That they have, they control public utilities. That it's not a private company that owns some private thing that we're, you know, granted to use. This is public utilities. This is the space that we have our conversations in, and they're controlled by these shadowy people who, uh, you know, we saw on Monday. <laughs> I mean, the very day, Tuesday, sorry, that laptop yeah. from hell comes out. Jack Dorsey steps down and i thought that was really poetic yeah. justice yeah. although the guy who's taken over looks even worse yeah <laughs> it doesn't scary it's just played scary so what is the most uh a damning thing that you could bring for that you bring forth in laptop from hell regarding the connection to to the the uh, i guess what was it what did uh Bobulinski call him the big guy what, what what is the most damning thing toward this president and number one and number two miranda divine does the, the DOJ move on any of this? 
Well, uh, look, I think the number one thing that is the most obvious is that Joe Biden lied during the election campaign to the American people when he said repeatedly that he knew nothing about his son Hunter's overseas business dealings. And we know that Joe Biden met Hunter's business partners multiple times. There's evidence all over the laptop. He met Mexicans and Ukrainians and Russians and Chinese and Kazakhstanis. And he met them in Beijing. He met them at his own home at the vice presidential residence in Washington, D.C. He met them at Cafe Milano, which is a restaurant in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., when he was vice president. Uh, you know, there would be infamous uh, evening that we uncovered from April 2015 when Joe Biden went to Cafe Milano to the private dining room, the garden room there, and met Hunter Biden's business associates from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan, uh, and from Russia. And he told his campaign told journalists that that was garbage, that that wasn't true. And, um, you know, finally, he, when the Washington Post tried to fact-check my story, because I had the whole story about Cafe Milano uh, published in July, um, that the, the White House then sort of admits that, yes, Joe Biden did go to the dinner, but he wasn't there very long. Oh, and he was only there for religious purposes. I mean, a joke. But uh, he gets off scot-free. So the other question of that, though, is that um, Joe Biden also, there is evidence on the laptop that he financially benefited um, from via Hunter Biden from the riches that were poured into the family from uh, various overseas countries, including China, Russia, Romania, Ukraine. Um, and, you know, there's evidence that Hunter Biden was paying some of Joe Biden's um, bills, you know, maintenance and work done on his mansion in Delaware, uh, paying for an AT&T bill every month. Um, and you know, look, we also know that Joe Biden um, was, uh, you know, the 10% to the big guy email. Well, um, my book and the, the uh, laptop shows and also Tony Bobulinski's material shows that uh Joe Biden met with Tony Bobulinski twice um, to vet him to run this joint venture between this Chinese energy company, CFC, and the Bidens. But CFC is not just a Chinese energy company. It is the capitalist arm of President Xi Jinping's Belt and Road Initiative, which is their basically their colonist model to take over the entire world. This is so scary. And I know you, and you're not, and having met you and spent some time with you, Miranda Devine, you're not a, you're such a nice person, you know? And it's like, this isn't vicious. This is like what has happened in our country. And and, we, and we're going to talk about it, and we see you on all the uh, national news shows, uh, you know, the conservative outlets. Anyway, have you been able to, have you been asked to go on Good Morning America, for example, by chance? <laughs> not the, oh, not funny, the, no. No, I no CNN, MSNBC, the rest of them. Nobody's interested. Um, they are just ignoring it. They, as they did with, um, you know, our original stories last year. And uh, I mean, the evidence on the laptop that I've yeah. compiled in the book is so damning. And yeah. it's not about Hunter Biden. It's about Joe Biden. It's about the president of the United States and the fact that he is compromised in the eyes of China and Russia. They have his number. They know what he's all about. They know the money that his family's taken. They know the grift. And uh, Joe Biden was shameless about it when he was vice president. I'm sort of shocked that a lot of this was done 
right in, in front of us, you know, in 2013 when Joe Biden took Hunter Biden with him on Air Force Two to Beijing, uh, where he was meeting, you know, President Xi Jinping and all the higher ups at the CCP. And Joe Biden, in fact, took time out from uh, his, uh, you know, duties to go and shake hands and have a private meeting with uh, Hunter's new business partner who tipped him into this uh, investment fund, which is now, or in 2019, had $2.5 billion worth of funds under management. That's unbelievable. And and again, uh, and it's, it's obvious because I was hesitant to talk about Hunter Biden because I don't know that you go after the president's kids, but boy, they just skewered uh, Don Jr. and Eric for crying out loud. And Ivanka, and not to mention Jared Kushner's son-in-law under the Trump administration. Imagine if anything was like this. And I'm wondering, Miranda, I hope, and, and, and I hope I don't put a, you know, a, a jinx on this or anything, but you know the Department of Justice they go they, they they have weaponized the DOJ now under this administration and and do, do you have lawyers if i may standing by just in case they come knocking on your door because they they're out of control at this point yeah that's absolutely right and i mean we know people that that that's happened to and i mean it seems that anyone involved in uncovering Joe Biden's uh, corruption and his family's influence peddling yeah, scheme yeah, um, yeah. has, uh, you know, had a, had a knock on the door early in the morning with the DOJ. And, you know, even if charges aren't pressed, um, the, the it, I mean, it's financially ruinous because, uh, of course, people have to hire lawyers and, and uh, they have to, you know, try and get back their devices that are seized and uh, so on. So, yes. I mean, it's, it's quite frightening. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess, you know, in my heart of hearts, I do hope because I know that the FBI has a copy of uh, the laptop because um, John Paul MacIsaac, who owns or owned, it's now defunct, the uh, laptop repair shop in Delaware that Hunter um, first abandoned his laptop at, um, he called the FBI first and gave them a copy of, or gave them the laptop and kept a copy. Um, and wow. Uh, wow. Uh, but, but you know, there's there's a lot of evidence of um, crimes on the laptop, and it's uh, I, I mean it does take a long time to get through it. So I am hoping that at some point um, that there will be something done about it in an official capacity. Um, but I mean, it's they have it; it's all there. Um, it's really not hard to. To, to get through it if you're a, a team of investigators. And Tony Bobulinski is a, a crucial piece of the puzzle. Um, he also holds uh, all these WhatsApp messages and so on, which I have uh, and, and written about in the laptop uh, between him and Hunter Biden and, and the other partners and Jim Biden. And uh, it's very damning. And the, uh, the scheme goes deep and yeah. it's across several countries. Well, uh, Miranda, we're, we're going to talk with uh, Michael Goodwin coming up. You, uh, I'll tell you, when I talk about journalists and journalists, uh, journalism is dead, you just have just revived it, uh, speaking <laughs> the truth here. And uh, Michael knows when I talk to him about, uh, when I talk to your colleague, and we are just so proud of what you've done here. The book is Laptop from Hell, and it's, a, it's an unfortunate story of a, of a dynasty that is now running the country. Miranda, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Uh, Godspeed, and uh, keep us posted on everything, okay? Thanks so much, Joe. Great to talk to you. You too, indeed. Miranda Devine and Michael Goodman coming up. Al Gattulo, we're going to take a short news break right now on AM 970, The Answer.
imagine there's no bread It's easy if you try No tacos or hot sauce Nothing cold or fried Imagine all the Living in the gulags, yeah. Imagine there's no money, no money. It isn't hard to do, not hard to do. Nothing to eat or drink now, not a crumb, not a drop now. Someday you will join us. You'll join us.